0: Hello and welcome to Celebration Church. Good to have you here this Wednesday night. Joining our, with us, our campus is over in Appleton and uh, Stevens Point. Tonight is the last Wednesday in the season of Lent as we bring this thing all to a wrap as we get ready to celebrate. Actually, we're already into uh, what we call Holy Week. Got Good Friday coming this Friday. And then, of course, the big Easter morning service. We're so excited about this. At the uh, end of our Lent season, we like to do a baptismal service and baptize people who uh, over the last however many months have made a a commitment to God in their lives and said, you know, I really wanna follow after Christ. And it's always a great metric as to uh, how well we're doing in terms of reaching uh, new people uh, in our communities and stuff. Uh, In Stephen's Point, we've got five people, praise the Lord. You're gonna be baptized, give it up for them. Our little mini campus in Appleton has 10 people tonight. Give it up for them. And of course, tonight here in Green Bay, we've got 33 people, I believe, that are being baptized. We're excited about that. I want to uh, do a real quick Bible study with you kind of setting up this whole thing of baptism. We're going to be looking at Romans the sixth chapter, starting at verse one. Now, what Paul is writing when he writes to the Romans, he's talking about this idea of grace, and because of so much sin in the world, God sent His grace so that we could be redeemed. But then it led to this very bizarre idea that actually is still even floating around today, which was, well, man, if it's because of sin that God sent his grace, then by all means, let's keep sinning so we can have more grace. And uh, those people actually think in these insane ways, but uh, Paul ran into this. So we pick it up at chapter six, verse one. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? He says, by no means, which is a wussified translation, King James says, God forbid. All right? It's not supposed to be that way. We're not supposed to be sinning so that God can pour his grace on us. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? As Christians, our whole experience is transitioning out of the world of darkness into the kingdom of his glorious light. We are now followers of Christ. We now walk in newness of life, the Bible says. Uh, And then he asks this question, or... Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized were baptized uh, into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? He asks this question. You think it's a rhetorical question, but then as you look at it, it's a legit question. (laughs) He says, don't you guys realize that what this this was about? And it kind of dawns on him, apparently you don't realize, he's writing to the Romans, that they don't know what this is about. And a lot of people, even in their Christian faith, don't understand. The whole idea of baptism is this identification with the death Of Jesus. He said, uh, verse 4, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And that's really the symbolism of the whole baptism experience. You take somebody, we put them into the water. It's as they're dying to that old self. This is this proclamation that they're making. And then walking now into newness of life. As Christ was buried, we're going to be sharing and celebrating that this weekend. On Friday, talking about how he dies. He's put into the tomb, but on Sunday or Easter morning, he's raised from the dead. And of course, that was the thing that changed everything. So that's that identification. That's why we immerse people in water, which has always been uh, the traditional from the very beginning, but then they got into the different traditions later and they started sprinkling people and we don't really argue with people about that i i tease them they say they'll only get saved in spots but we don't really care about that the, the, <laughs> just to egg them on you know but the, the whole point is supposed to be this idea of burial being buried with christ and raised in newness of life when jesus was baptized into the jordan river and stuff that's why they always had bodies of water where they did this because it was a significant expression um so that's what is supposed to be happening. Now, in verse 5, it says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So we're identifying with the death of Christ, but we're also living in hope for the resurrection that someday will happen. Okay, For we know that our old self was crucified with him. Old self. What old self? Not our old physical body. I'm not talking about guys like me, old geezers. I'm talking about the old sinful nature that at some point we decide we don't want to follow anymore. And for some people, it's much later in life, even as a a young person, young adult, you can make that decision, even though your old self, relatively speaking, is relatively new. It's still that sinful part We say, no, I don't want to be that anymore. I want to follow Christ. I want to do the right things. So we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we ourselves uh, should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. The truth of the matter is, people who die are pretty much set free, period. Right? I mean, nobody wants to die, but let's face it. When you die, you don't get hungry anymore. You don't worry about what's on TV. (laughs) Nobody can irritate you. Your in-laws can visit all day. You really don't care. You're dead, all right? There's something about death frees us. Once we get freed from this body of all the struggles and stuff that we have in life, and particularly from sin, the angers, the bitternesses, that when a person dies, they are, in the very purest sense of the word, set free from this physical bondage. Now, we're not supposed to die physically, but the idea is that now in Christ, by identifying with him, we walk as though we were free uh, from the power of sin in our lives. Okay, now, if we died with Christ, he says, we believe that we shall also live with him. For we know that since Christ raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, uh, but the life he lives, he lives of God. In the same way, count yourself, consider yourself, reckon yourself, other translations said, dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, So that you obey its desire. Why would he say, "Don't let sin reign anymore in your mortal body"? Because you can. Now, unlike being dead, dead, where obviously we don't have any more cares of this world, we are dead by faith, away from the life of sin, to live by faith in Christ. But that old nature is still there; it's still alive and well. That's kind of the purpose of Lent. That's not kind of it. Is the purpose of Lent this idea of fasting, of denying yourself? Some people fast uh, certain meals or periods of time or some people give up chocolate bars. or Other people give up, you know, whatever it is. I mean, it's just something where you really like it and you say, I'm going to give this up for Lent. Why? The whole purpose of Lent is to tell our bodies to shut up, okay? This isn't supposed to control us anymore. The whole Lent experience of fasting and sacrificing and doing all these things uh, is an annual expression that we have to constantly remind ourselves, don't let this control you. He says, don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. The reason I has to tell us is because you can easily. Even though we've come to God, we've accepted Christ into our lives, we've been baptized, we're walking in the blessings of God, following uh, involvement in the church and all this stuff, even though you're doing that, make no mistake, that old sinful nature is still there, lurking in the wings and, uh, and we have to make a decision. I'm not going to do this anymore. I choose to now follow Christ. Because what he's going to tell us in a minute, before you, before you come to Christ, you don't really have a choice. You have to do what that sinful nature tells you. You're a slave to sin. But we who come to Christ, we are now free and we're no longer slaves to sin. We're alive to God. We'll see this in just a minute. So he says, don't let sin reign in your mortal bodies that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself as sin, to sin as an instrument of wickedness but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. This wonderful grace of God sets us free from the power of sin, the power of hate, the power of bitterness, the power of unforgiveness, the power of all these nasty things that people struggle with. Uh, Without Christ in their lives We as Christians now are actually free from that Now make a mistake A lot of Christians still do it They're not supposed to do it And that's the dichotomy of the Christian experience We are now free from this We have to make the choice The determination I am going to walk in faith towards God What the New Testament basically teaches is People without Christ in their lives Can make that determination as much as they want But they can't do it They can't pull it off They can't get free from this thing that's why there's so much cynicism in our world today. People say, "Well, people never change. Nobody ever changes. Nobody ever." Because in the real, in the world outside this real fleshly world, without God, that's true. People are people; they can't change. But what they don't understand is that in Christ, people do change, rather dramatically. Some of us, some of us were rather nasty creatures. <laughs> Bets was horrible. Uh, so, you know, there's all kinds of people (laughs) who do all kinds of things. I'm just teasing him. Uh, but now we are free. We can change. We've been set free when you truly encounter Christ in your life. And if what I'm talking to you sounds like somebody from Mars, it's probably because this hasn't happened to you. There's people, they go to church all their lives. They're nice people as much as they can be even though they're still slaves to sin and their passions and their angers and their lusts and all that. But you know, they're trying to be as nice as they can be. You know, and they go to church and stuff, but they've never truly surrendered their life to Christ. They've never experienced that, f- that freedom that comes from choosing Christ and saying, I am going to follow after him. You have this experience we call being born again, where the new life of God comes into you. And now, boom, you're set free. You're still set free. Sadly, there is always that choice to reach over and connect with that life of sin. Again, that's to get the whole thing about Lent. It's telling your fleshly part, no, shut up, you don't control me. I am free to serve God. All right, so that's what this whole thing's about. What then? He goes on to say, shall we sin because we are no longer under law but under grace? By no means. Again, on the translations, God forbid, he says. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves... You are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Now, obviously, this is a culture from 2,000 years ago up until about 100 years, years ago. Slavery was very common throughout the world. Finally, it stopped, thank God. But these people understood this. The closest thing we have to slavery is employment. <laughs> 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 well, you got to work from some idiot for some idiot. You don't like them. You don't. He, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing, but you do it, and you shut up, and you offer your services to him for the check, right? We do it for the check. Uh, so it's kind of a form of slavery. The good news is you can always walk away from it, but you know there's a lot of people who know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you can't walk away from it, and you feel like a slave. You feel like you're trapped because this is my job, and I hate this job, but I can't get away from this job because nobody else will pay me what this idiot will pay me, all right? And we get ourselves into that. kind. So it's the closest thing that we can think of. So when we offer yourself to work for somebody, what you're saying is, I will do what you tell me and you ask me to do. Obviously, in today's culture, it's within reason. Back in these days, they had total control. But that's that idea. You willfully come to someone and say, okay, what do you want me to do? I will do it. I'll make this widget. I'll do this thing. I'll make the phone calls. I'll file the papers. Whatever you need me to do. You offer yourselves to that person. Uh, as a servant, if you will, and the analogy here in this day is, is to, uh, to slavery. But he said, "But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you used to have that was that was your employer, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness." Now, what we're doing is we're basically uh, in this analogy. We don't work for this guy anymore. We don't work for the the passions and anger and bitterness and lusts of sin. We are now freely working for Christ. He is now our new employer. And with that comes great joy. Okay? He says, I'm using an example from everyday life. Obviously, his everyday life. We don't have slavery today, but I translated it for you. So we're using this example because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness. So now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. He actually goes on in other parts to really explain, you don't really have much of a choice. When you're a slave to sin, you are a slave to sin. And as much as you want to try and be good and everything else, you'll struggle. You can't really earn your way to God. It's only through, by this grace that we've been talking about. And, uh, And then he says this brilliant verse here. He says, next words, he says, what benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. Uh, For those of you, particularly those of you who were were later in life when you came to Christ and did a lot of really bad things that you are now ashamed of, uh, you look back at those things and you say, well, you know, what was the point? What was ever good that came from it? And the answer is there was none. What was good? From getting drunk and high and stoned or whatever. You look at it and go, gee, there, there was really nothing beneficial. And if anything, it was destructive. You know, what good did it come from you committing adultery? It wasn't a good ending. It wasn't a, you know, none of these things. They're all bad things. Here's the crazy thing about it even though you know, having been down that path, that is a dead end path, it is stunning how much that path still calls to you. Uh-huh. Now, you can give a break to people who've never been down that path, and then you do something stupid later, and okay, it's their first experience to destructiveness. But I'm telling you, it is stunning how much, even still, what happened when you were really bitterness and bitter and angry, and how did that work out for you? It was bad, but yet you're still tempted to get bitter and angry, right? How much, how much good did it do you to be greedy and narcissistic and stuff? You know, gee, that was bad, yet that call is still there. It's that old nature. What we say in baptism is we're making a decision. I will not let this control me anymore. Sin shall not control me anymore. Uh, I don't know if you guys are in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. (laughs) I love that scene where Gandalf says to, to this big fiery creature coming at him. And he says, you shall not pass. You know, every time I see that, I go, yes. Because that's really what we're saying to that old nature. You shall not pass. You say, well, I feel bad because I still feel it. Who cares what you feel? doesn't matter what we feel. The demon might be yelling there, screaming. It doesn't matter. You shall not pass. Hallelujah. That's good preaching right there. Okay. Now, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap to leads to holiness, lead, and the result is eternal life. There's so much more life. There's life here. There is death here. But make no mistake, as people of faith, we still have to make the choice. The good news is you get to make the choice. We can serve God. But never deceive yourself thinking that this dark side is not going to be there. It will be yelling, it will be barking, it will be growling. You just gotta tell it that you shall not pass because slave, sin shall no longer be a slave. We shall no longer be a slave to that. It no longer controls us. And then some day we will literally get out of this body and then forever be free of it because nobody's looking for that, you know. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I don't like getting a cold, much less dying. So we'll see how that pans out for me. But uh, <laughs> hopefully it's quick. You know, I just fall over or something. Who knows? But uh, it is what it is. The good news is that we can walk free from this destructive nature today. Even though we struggle. Well, pastors sometimes make mistakes. Sometimes they get pulled back and I know. I know. It's okay. That's why we come and we ask God for forgiveness. The Bible says, if we sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why? Because there is that great temptation, that great pull that we make mistakes and we'll go back into old patterns and stuff. But that's one of the reasons as a Christian you want to create new patterns. Read the Bible, pray, Christian fellowship. All these things are designed to create new patterns in you so you don't keep going back into Destructive patterns that that pull you down. Anyway, and then he ends with a very famous verse of Scripture quoted many, many, many times. uh, For the wages of sin is death, uh, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is often quoted uh, to people when you're talking to him about knowing God in your life. And one of the most famous verses that preachers use to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and why you need to make a choice to turn away from sin and turn in faith to God is they will quote this verse for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life and it's true and it's applicable to everybody but you really have to keep in mind he's talking to Christians it is Christian people that he's reminding the wages of sin is death that's the paycheck you get from that employer it's death That's what you get paid. But the wages from Christ is eternal life, blessing, health, prosperity, wonderful things that can happen in your life. And we now choose to work here and not work here anymore, but the pull to come back here never seems to go away. And we have to just keep reminding ourselves, hey, what good did it do? What was the point of it? We have to remember when we turn to that dark nature that the paycheck from that is death. We choose life. So tonight we as people of faith are going to celebrate with our new brothers and sisters in Christ who have made this decision. I choose to follow Christ. I choose this side of life and I'm turning my back on this. But don't deceive yourselves. This doesn't ever quite go away. It's still yelling and screaming and calling you back. But you just have to remember to stand in faith and say you shall not. Hallelujah. All right. So now we're going to break away from the video signal here and give our campuses time to do their baptismal services. So over in Point and Appleton, you guys can clap and cheer and celebrate each every and every individual profession of faith here. Hold it to the end. (laughs) okay? because we got 33 people and we'll be here a long time. All right. So not, you know, it's great that we can celebrate. But you guys, you, you can do that because you don't, you know, won't be there all night long. We will be. So over here, just wait. And, and we'll just, you know, watch all these people get baptized. And at the end, we'll just have one gigantic celebration. You guys can party as you please. Anyway, God bless you guys. We'll see you later. And let's all give a hand for Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God.